Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last. Offer ends eight thirty one twenty. Today on Movie Talk, we're talking about the curse of La Llorona, scaring up some scary stuff. We're going to break down our favorite Avengers MCU post-credit scenes, and we're going to talk about Detective Pikachu. Pikachu, give me all the feels. Uh, talking about what happened. What's Jay, why, why is Jay Washington they looking They used the saddest face of Pikachu well, ever. Of course. Did you see the trailer? That I new know, trailer? We're going to talk one, about it. It was the one that looked like tears was about to roll down. <laughs> That's like, right. I know we're going to talk about it, but yeah. Jesus, use the one that's happy Pikachu. They're don't, just don't. preparing us for the emotional journey we're about exactly. to look go on. Look at that. Look at that. Looks Sad like, God. Yeah. Looks like Cody when the Buccaneers lose. Look at that face. Oh. 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 
There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> the fact he came out the booth was like, I didn't know what the goddamn is. I just want him to close the door. All right, anyway, let's oh. move on here. Uh, I want to th- I want to tell everybody who is here uh, for Movie Talk, if you can't see already, but want to uh, welcome the lovely Haley Fouch to today's oh, Movie Talk. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm good, but we're both missing out on Avengers Endgame yeah, premiere. Well, All our trying not to be salty about it. Yeah. You, you made it real hard on me. Well, you know, salty is my middle name. <laughs> uh, speaking of people who have middle names that are equal to salty, Jay Washington, how are you, my friend? I'm You're bad also- as hell. I can't go to the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> I would have put on somebody else's suit just to go to the damn premiere. Hey, Marvel, if you're watching this later, because I know all of y'all are at the damn premiere, hey, you can tweet me and say, hey, would you like to come to premiere? And hopefully it's not Aladdin. What, wait, but oh, a premiere from a Marvel Disney or, or a Disney yeah, premiere. Yeah, they'd be like, hey, we'll send you to what? Oh, wow. go, come to Toy Story. You're not selective. No, no, I just want to go. To, I wanted to go this one. So if they take you to Penguin's premiere, you'll be okay with it? or uh, Probably not. Okay. Uh, all right, fine. I'm just not going to lie to you. We got standards over here. Yeah, I, right. I believe in myself. I respect that. I have standards, too. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into the first uh, story today, and that is the box office uh, uh, news coming out here. Warner Brothers New Line. They took the top spot at the box office this weekend with The Curse of La Llorona. Uh, the movie came in above expectations, which, of course, recently with horror films hasn't necessarily been a surprise. It's more expected that they come above expectations. Uh, they took in an estimated $26.5 million, even though the film received a B-minus cinema score and had some pretty not-so-good reviews, it did take another $30 million in international uh, uh, box office for a $56.5 million global launch. Uh, WB New Line also snagged the second uh, uh, spot here on the, on the, count, on the uh, uh, list of movies with Shazam, which dropped only 29%, made $17.3 million. Third place went to Breakthrough. I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, and then it delivered an estimated $11.1 million opening only on Wednesday and uh, got $14.6 million over the f- five-day stretch. Pretty incredible. Uh, it also has an A cinema score. Disney took also took number four with Captain Marvel. And then number five, Little, coming in there, suffering a, a, a little bit of a, a, a second weekend backlash there. Only $8.5 million. And this is all before Avengers Endgame absolutely demolishes everything in its path on Friday. But let's <laughs> deal with Monday, and that's today. <laughs> Haley, uh, you look at this box office for, for Curse of La Llorona. This just, does this speak to you that this franchise is almost untouchable now? No matter what the movie is, it's going to make at least money on its opening weekend. I mean, it certainly seems so, because as you pointed out, the reviews were not exceptionally yeah. good. The the cinema score was sort of uh, yeah, better than minus. Pet Cemetery, yep. but not amazing. Yeah. Um, and yet... Ahead of projections, which I actually uh, called last week. Thank you very much. Uh, Just because this franchise is so reliable. Mm -hmm. And even though this wasn't really marketed as as a conjuring film... Like that definitely got out. It definitely has the house style and Mm -hmm. the marketing and everything. It's not surprising to me in the least. I think that they are crushing it with these, you know, low to mid budget horror movies and making back. I mean, I think this was nine million to make. Yeah. So it's already like on its way to probably next weekend. We'll see with Endgame, but (laughs) it's probably going to, you know, make 10 times its budget easily by the end of the run. It, it was an interesting weekend, though. On last week's show, Perry was, you know, positing that perhaps Endgame's presence would would draw the waves of yeah, the un- pull it, yeah, the pull back it all crash, back, yeah. and she was dead on. You know, the yeah. the lowest Easter weekend in fourteen years. Like yeah. people are saving their dime for next week. This yeah, week. yeah. Well, I mean, the horror thing, though, it's really kind of growing in steam here. It's really incredible to see the nun really shocked a lot of it's people. Yeah. Different now. Yeah. It's something different. We're inundated with superhero films. And, mm-hmm. you know, as much as we love them, you know, some people are like, I want something different. And then you get a good horror franchise mm-hmm. in the Conjuring franchise with Lolly Ron and all these different movies. Everybody's like, yes. I'll pay for this. Mm-hmm. Granted, everybody may not be catching on to it right now, mm-hmm. but people are going to see it. And like we said, this is before Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, also, oh, sorry. No, it was the same before Thursday. Yeah, before Thursday. It's also, uh, it's a crowd-pleasing franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't love La Llorona, but I loved watching it with the crowd because they had so much fun yeah. reacting to the jump scares and mm-hmm. stuff. It's not my favorite type of horror, what they're doing outside of, like, the first Conjuring thing I film, I think, is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But people have a blast watching these and going through that sort of communal horror movie-going experience that makes 
makes horror so fun and special that you all scream and jump <laughs> together, you know? I think it also helps, uh, and if I can speak, uh, like, to me, the Curse of La Llorona. This is a legendary yeah. thing within the Latino culture, this idea of La Llorona and the curse of it. And it's Easter weekend. Uh, Latino naturally are more, I would say, religious, very much devoted to the religion. Mm-hmm. And so getting together on Easter weekend, I know for me, was always a big deal with my family. In fact, I called my mom on Sunday, there with my sister, hanging out with her kids and everything like that on Easter. Sunday and going to see a movie was something we always did on Easter. So maybe this is also the families getting together, going to mm-hmm. see something, a Latino, in essence, a Latino legend film. Yeah. Of course, Linda Carlini being the lead, not Latina, <laughs> but like, do you still have this idea of this going forward? So I like that they're starting to open the door to more and more markets that are not necessarily just domestic American mm-hmm. horror stuff. It's opening the door more international ways, instead of like shoving in a Chinese actress or a Chinese actor sure. to be on the Chinese market, mm-hmm. this feels more organic within the legend that they're trying to create. Um, Jay, you look at this, 51% male with 60% of the crowd coming in age 25 or older. So this isn't like teens going to see you know, uh, slasher films. This right. is like older people, and 49% female, 51% male. Uh, that's pretty incredible as well. Again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Now it's something different again. Mm-hmm. Granted, horror has always been around. Yeah. But every time we look up, it's not just Marvel. It's Warner Brothers at number two, which is Zam. Yeah. You know, all these different variations of superhero films, comic book films in general. And so people want something different. Yeah, you have the dramatic ones, but those don't get put in your face to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I go back to what Haley was saying earlier about the marketing. It was marketed as a regular film, and until recently they were like, mm-hmm. it's a part of the Conjuring universe. Right. You know, so that helped play a part. People were like, oh, this is into something I'm already into. Let me go check this out. Mm-hmm. And it's that older demographic. You're not having those, the teens who are, lack of better words, running to go see this. Mm-hmm. You're having the people who, like, I want a good horror movie, a good a good horror franchise. Mm-hmm. Again, a la Nightmare on Elm Street, the originals. Right. Friday the 13th. People love to go see those. Mm-hmm. Even the screams, Final Destinations. And for me, Saw's. Yes, I loved every oh. single Saw movie. All of them. <laughs> yeah. I even like Jigsaw with the weird twist that they did for no apparent reason. I like. Go, it. Jay. I know. Lean some, in. Sometimes I'm, I'm gonna take it. I'm just gonna go there. Yeah, go for I was you. going every Halloween to see this summer. But it's it's those type of things. Now mm-hmm. people just want this variety. We're hitting the summer stride. Yeah. Where we know we're gonna get like just one or two things. We know we're gonna get Disney through the works. Yeah. From be, from the beginning of. Thursday. Yeah. Matter of fact, we already got it with Dumbo, even though how it was a flop in the box office. But from Dumbo till the end of the year, yeah. mm-hmm. it's Disney. Well, yeah, yes, right. But right now, let's also move on to Shazam. Shazam is DC. Shazam number two. Jay, I come back to you. This is a quiet, this is one of the most quietest chugging along superhero movies I have seen in recent times. 321 million domestic, I mean, uh, worldwide. worldwide right now. And uh, Haley was saying before we started, people are starting to murmur that's a little bit of a letdown. How? Is this a letdown? No. It's still number two. The production of the, the budget for Shazam was $100 million. Yeah. They have made double that in 321. Triple. Triple that, excuse yeah. me. But they've made their money back. How and they're it? still going. They're number two. They're not they're, like number nine. It's number right. two. Right. And speaking of number two, the sequel is already set in production. Right. Yeah. So how is this a disappointment? Again, talking to Astro Angel this weekend, which I had the pleasure of doing in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. they love what this movie is doing. The reception is crazy. People have gone to see it. I've talked to women and men in the audience who said they've seen Shazam four and five times. Wow. Right. So how is this a disappointment? I get that we're so used to the Marvel numbers now. We're even used to what Batman v Superman brought in. Mm. We're used to what Justice League brought in. We're used to these big numbers that when we see something that doesn't rebel five, six hundred million, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, it's a flop. But it's like, no. Yeah. If it made its money back and it's still making money, this is the last weekend Shazam will make real money. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Yeah. yeah. But guess what? Warner Brothers doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. They made what they needed to make, and then some. They're good. What do you think about this, uh, Haley? What do you, are you surprised by this, that people are starting to murmur that it's a bit of a letdown? Or? I think that's a bit silly and narrow-minded. As, as Joy, Jay pointed out, our, our perceptions of superhero box mm. office are a little mm. skewed. Uh, Shazam also has the misfortune of being the one to follow Aquaman, which right. had outrageous yeah. numbers. Yes. Uh, but again, sort of what I was saying about La Llorona, it's, it's new line, just kicking the heck out of these mid-budget you mm-hmm. know obviously Shazam costs way more than La Llorona but right. it's uh 
it's for a superhero film, a rather mid-budget production, and they they know how to make their money back. And I'd be interested to see uh, what the returns are like on the sequel now that he's mm-hmm. become more of a household name. Right. So you see something like Batman Begins didn't didn't have the billion dollar numbers that ultimately Nolan's trilogy went on to make with mm-hmm. its two sequels. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see something like that happening here. Is there another film that surprised you in their performance, or that you thought maybe let you down, or did well this weekend that you were surprised by? Uh, I guess just in the sort of specialty box office arena. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys like tuned into the whole what's going to happen with Under the Silver Lake thing over the last oh, year and a half. We were talking about that on Movie Talk uh, last week, mm-hmm. and then somebody brought it up and asked Perry and, as a Twitter question, and Jeff Snyder was sitting in this seat and just started <laughs> crying laughing about how bad he thought it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people hate it, but I also know people who are very fond of it. It seems to be a rather divisive film, but it was initially sort of positioned as another big you know big release for a24 right. from the director of it follows mm-hmm. starring andrew garfield and then it just essentially more or less got buried mm-hmm. and it went to two theaters this weekend where it had a per theater average of around twenty thousand, which mm-hmm. is respectable it's not topping any charts of per theater averages but it's it's just an interesting case to try to ascertain where they were they right to do this you mm-hmm. know direct to video before expanding theatrically because that's a that's a so-so number. It, right. it says that there's some interest, but maybe not enough to go fully wide with this and bank on theatrical. Yeah. Here's, here's a question. What, do, what are we considering nowadays as a flop, though? Yeah. You know, as far as box office well, numbers. And I bring that up because we talk about La Llorona and what it made, mm-hmm. you know, and for what it was what it was made for. It's already not a flop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but people weekend. hear these certain numbers. They hear 10, 20 million on mm-hmm. certain movies, mm-hmm. not knowing what the budget is and like, oh, that's a flop. Right. So what is considered a flop? It's now? always what's the standard industry? Two and a half times your budget. If you make two and a half times your budget, you make a profit. Mm-hmm. That's usually the standard. But these what we saw last week when we talked about a movie talk. The marketing budget for Avengers Endgame is $200 million. So you start looking at, like, what is the marketing budget for these films? It isn't the standard that we've thought before. There's more being put into it here. And so you wonder, okay, what is the actual number? We may never know. Look, trying to, you know, get Netflix to release its numbers is really (laughs) an exercise in futility. So let alone these box office numbers, how are they really kind of uh, laying the groundwork for whether it's a success or a failure? I think it all depends on your own perception of it. Because, once again, Shazam number two. And doing 320 million worldwide, and still people are like, well, I don't know if it's that much of a thing. So it's, I think it's all a matter of perception okay. and how you go forward with it. Well, with something like Shazam, I'm guessing that their their budget for uh, you know advertising was pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Whereas well, something like yes. Under the Silver Lake, I don't think A24 put a lot on the line with <laughs> right, that. Right, you know, right. <laughs> right. Well, I do want to say one last thing. Breakthrough, pretty incredible for what it did, coming out on Wednesday and making 14.6 million dollars. This is the first, I think, release under the Disney banner from a Fox film and what have you. So it's a religious film. I'm telling you, there is a growing, growing market for these religious films that Mm -hmm. are released theatrically. They've been building and building and building over the last few years. And don't be surprised that just like horror that had been building over years and years and years, that some uh, some other artists or creators find themselves moving into the Christian market and start creating these films and making money, or the religious market rather, and making more films like this and seeing results in the box office. You know, I think that's what's it's a quiet trend that I've been watching for the last year now, how these more religious films are starting to get more and more attention and people are starting, which used to be like, oh, they're just dumping it. It's going to make two million, whatever. Now these are making double figures on their opening weekends. That's pretty surprising. And I, I, I look for this trend to continue. Uh, we'll see as it goes along, but we need to move along. And that's to our next story. Uh, talking about. Uh, uh, Marvel, not Captain Marvel, Marvel, uh, the MCU. We uh, There was an article on Collider.com breaking down these post-credit scenes from our own Adam Chitwood. And so it gave us the idea of, well, what's our favorite MCU post-credit scenes as we uh, uh, open Avengers Endgame week with it coming out on Thursday night? Uh, I already have 54 friends going together. So, uh, but um, <laughs> uh, you, you look at these uh, post-credit, uh, let's, let's start uh, with you, Jay. You look at these, what are some of your favorite Favorite, or let's limit to three. What are your three, three favorite MCU post-credit scenes? Okay. Uh, my number three would have to be the Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Realm one. Okay. Because that one caught everybody. Because as soon as you see him going, all of a sudden you see the dust and you're like, oh, this is when it takes place in the timeline. <laughs> right. My number two is from Iron Man 1. The Nick Fury reveal. Because mm. that was the first thing let us all know what was about to come down the pipeline. 
because first of all, you saw Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, and you're like, oh my god, oh my, it's the dude from the comics. <laughs> this, you know, they made that. My number one, and a lot of people are gonna think this is weird. The Spider-Man Homecoming second one. The oh. Captain America mm-hmm. PSA. Oh. Because Marvel had fun with everybody. Mm-hmm. To have Steve Rogers, I know how it is to feel disappointed. <laughs> you sit and wait and wait and wait. And just to have nothing happen. But that's okay. You stood through it. I love it. But there were actually people who were mad at that. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Of course. Why would they? Why would they poke fun of the fans? Because they know they can do this. Mm. It's a beautiful. We all have gotten accustomed and adapted to saying, "Do not leave the movie theater." Anytime, yeah. I think we all have been in the theater where we see people get up during the credits, and the first thing you say to whoever's sitting next to you is, "Oh, they don't know what the hell to do around here. <laughs> they don't understand what's really going on." <laughs> but the fact that you know, in the majority of a theater is going to stick around, and for them to have Captain America yeah. out of all people. I know how it feels to be disappointed. <laughs> it just tickles my soul. <laughs> I I love it. I mean, and that's like a gift that keeps giving because meme culture is very appreciative yes, of those. We're, that, yeah, those same memes. So you slid in her DMs, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Haley? What, what stands out for you? Uh, so I was. I said before, you know, we started that I was interested to see how much crossover yeah. there was going to be. Two of those would have been in my top three as well, which would be Captain America's little PSA yeah. and uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp scene, which I, I actually found to be more effective at making me feel the consequences of the snap than Infinity War mm-hmm. was. I, I see that, yeah. Uh, but since we already talked about those, I'm going to throw some love at some other ones. So my favorite is actually the shawarma scene. That's just yes. like, that's classic Joss Whedon humor, and I grew up a Buffy, <laughs> like the biggest Buffy fan, so I love that stuff. That even, I think, was pulled from an improv line that the actor who played Xander did on the set of Buffy. So, like, the, the ties to my heart there are very strong. <laughs> uh, and it's just funny and unexpected and yeah. kind of, I think, shook up the mold for how we perceived what these post credit scenes yes. could be. Like, I don't think that Captain Marvel PSA exists without Shawarma, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's my Captain favorite. Captain Yes, sorry. Yeah, because yes. I was like, she doing PSA? I can too see many, that. Too many Marvels, Shazams, the Captains. Captains. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, so the other ones I'll throw some love at. Uh, okay. An underrated one, I would say. The Doctor Strange post credit scene. With Thor? Uh, not with Thor. No. With with Mordo, yeah, taking oh, yes. taking that man's power, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really just kind of harsh and brutal and intense mm-hmm. post credit scene that really got to me. And that's that. not my my favorite of the MCU films, but that post credit scene in particular has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And then to uh, throw love at another one, the. The final of the five that we got <laughs> yeah. with Guardians, with Stanley up with the Watchers. Yes. Oh, Beautiful. Yes. Fantastic. You guys are taking all mine. Yeah, the I Stanley know. with the Watchers thing for me for two reasons. One, it's the most, uh, it's my favorite Stanley cameo because he's telling the story and they're all getting annoyed with him. <laughs> and it, he's poking fun of himself, which I thought was brilliant. Right. And also you drop the seed of the possibility of the Fantastic Four in the future because right. the Watchers are so connected well, to the Fantastic Four that I was like, oh, this is a great scene for them. I don't even think it was so much that, though. I think it was the fact I'm that everybody... me, that's Well, no, no, I, I agree with you, but as far as everybody was like, oh, because who is Stan Lee if he's in all these movies? Right. And it was always a theory, he's the Watcher. He's one he, of the Watchers. He's one yeah, of the yeah, Watchers. Yeah. He has to be. But with that Doctor Strange one, people forget about that because I forgot about it for a second. Mm. Remember, Chueto Echafor is still set to be Baron yeah. Mortal. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a sequel coming coming out. Yep. At some point. In theory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, th- in theory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he lives <laughs> yeah. through Endgame. Yeah. yeah. Did he survive the snap? We no, don't know. We don't know. No, he didn't survive. We all saw the heroes. We didn't see any of the yeah. villains. Yo, he's you one know, of those grayscale Where's Avengers Malachi? Fall. They're all in a secret society somewhere being protected from the snap. Uh, for me, I will throw in the Doctor Strange and Thor scene where the, he keeps refilling his beard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just because I love Doctor... Look, I love... It's one of my top five MCU films is Doctor Strange. I thoroughly love oh. that film. I like how it's a different ending than you you're used to seeing uh, there isn't like an, an, a person who is fighting him at the end that is the exact opposite of him. It is something completely different. Yeah, and sense. having to repeat it over and over mm-hmm. again is such an intelligent way to go about destroying a villain, in my opinion. And so seeing him relax into the role a little bit more in this interaction between him and Thor was nice because it kind of gave me a preview of what we we're going to see him with him in Avengers Infinity War. And we certainly got that. And I hope... 
We'll get him back on Avengers Endgame and have, and have a lot of fun. I, I've, true, they asked, who do you want to be the first one to be undusted? And my answer mm-hmm. is always Doctor Strange, because Doctor Strange is the one who saw the one way mm. to get it done. So he should be the one you undust first Slow so you question. can find the way. Yeah, Slow exactly. How many did he see? Huh? 14, How- 14 million... 522 or something like that. 14,605,000. That's that was close enough. <laughs> close enough. We do those numbers. I start to lose it. Yeah. I love the shawarma scene as well. So I'll toss that out because you guys already talked about it. But I will throw the Captain Marvel scene, a post credit scene, when she shows up behind Black Widow. Yeah. And yeah. they're all like, what is this? The blah, blah, blah. And she shows up. Because I, I, I was half and half about the Captain Marvel film. But that moment is when, to me, Brie Larson became Captain Marvel fully. And the look on her face looked look like a, a warrior who's been out in space for quite some time, coming down, being like, where the hell is Nick? And everyone's like, <laughs> oh, shit, and what do we got here? So I love that uh, post-credit scene as well. That's such an interesting statement as well because, you know, she filmed that first. Th- th- that's where she becomes Captain Marvel for you. Yeah. And that's very interesting. I'm, I'm so curious to see her performance in this film because it was her first one as the character, which she says she hadn't fully nailed down yet. Yep. It's interesting. I also, just before we move on, want to throw a little love on the Infinity War post credit scene that felt like a cut scene from The Leftovers. Like, I party oh, with that. That yeah. was, was great. The... That's where Fury and Maria Hill... Oh, yeah, the, the one with the... It crashes into the building. But with him going, mother... Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said something in the chat that is a true one, but I was like, they, why we didn't bring this one up? And it's the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the Adam Warlock scene. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why does it get... Much? It's like, it's hard because when I, once I heard that... We, he wasn't going to be a three. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. With <laughs> right, that. I was oh, like, I want to love it because I know most. That's what most of these post credit scenes mm-hmm. have done. Mm-hmm. They've led up to something else, but then you hear. I'll call him Adam. And then you hear, well, Adam Warlock ain't in Guardians of the Galaxy right. Volume 3. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw in the Goldblum scene. I love the Goldblum scene. Oh, at the yeah. End. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ragnarok. When he rolls out, he goes, all right, we'll call it a draw. Let us know in the uh, comment section what your favorite MCU post credit scene is. Are you just as excited as we are uh, to see Avengers Endgame this weekend? And you're going to go. Uh, Jay was telling me some people are buying tickets for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So if that thing is going to break 300 million. I guess that's how it's going to do it, is people going to see it four times There's 2.15 in the morning day. screenings. Yeah. yeah, I don't know who has uh, what, 12 hours over the night, over four days to spend, no, no, but I guess they do. Know. Did you hear? There's a 2.15 in the morning. Oh, yeah. The poor, it depends on poor the minimum wage oh, yes. theater workers. <laughs> I think of you. I feel for you. I've been there. We love yeah. you and thank just, you. Please do not eat popcorn at 2.15 in the morning. What please your clean up your stuff when you the leave. I don't want to smell. You understand? 2.15 in the morning, I don't want to smell you. Why starting smell popcorn. Like, why smell like butt and ass in yeah, exactly. I want to enjoy the movie. I don't want to cry for the wrong reasons. Right. Uh, let's do a real quick as our second story finishes up here. I want to remind you all that I will be taking some of your live Twitter questions and asking these fine folks to answer them for you. So please send in your Twitter questions. Put that hashtag there, Collider Movie Talk, so I can find it uh, or hashtag Roka pick me or whatever you want to put on there <laughs> and I will try to pick uh, a couple of these questions and answer depending on how our time goes uh, through this situation. All right, let's move on to our third story that comes uh, from Netflix. Uh, they released the first trailer for this uh, Spike Lee produced film called See You Yesterday. It's, uh, it's kind of a very difficult subject to talk about because the basis for this trailer is the shooting of a young black man by a police officer that motivates his sister who had been playing around with some science stuff to create a time traveling machine to go back in time to stop her brother from being killed by this police officer it's a very topical uh, basis for a time travel film and it, I, I was shocked by this trailer very surprised still had a light hearted approach to it which I thought was really surprising kind of like spy kids mixed in with a, a little more social uh, uh, relevant film um, and it reminded me a little bit, and I'll say this of Back to the Future. Marty goes back in time fleeing the, the Libyan terrorists after they killed Doc, but yeah. he doesn't know that he can save Doc until he gets back in time. So, in essence, there's a little shade of Back to the Future underneath all this as well. But, Jay, I go to you first. Mm-hmm. This is such an interesting approach to a time travel kids film, the or way young adult it, film. And it very much is heavy, because the way it starts, it is fun-hearted, because they're actually working on time travel. Yes. In the beginning, it's all fun. It's like, oh, kids are working on things. And then you see the 
relationship, I think, of CJ with her brother and everything. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you see him get shot by the police of the New York Police Department, which is, I hate to say, it's a normal thing that we mm-hmm. hear of. Mm-hmm. And that's like you say, that's why it's kind of a heavy topic to do that. Because it's, some, it's not something out of the blue mm-hmm. that you would think would never happen. And then you see them trying to fix it. And then you hear the one part where he says, we only got two jumps left. Right. So it's like, we either got to get this right or it's just he's going to stay dead. And so it, it makes you wonder, are they going to fix this? Mm-hmm. Because there's always those theories of, man, if I could go back in time, what would I do? Right. What would I change? We know the number one answer for most people is, I'd kill baby Hitler. Whatever. Yeah. That isn't mine. No. I'd go back in time and bet on every sports event so I'd be a millionaire. I swear Biff. to God, I would pull I the would Biff. Biff. I would pull, I would a, pull Biff a Biff in a heartbeat. I would pull a Biff no tannin in a minute. But I do good things with the money. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Man, I would tell y'all, yo, the Bulls are going to win. Th- the Bulls are going to do two three-peats, and <laughs> <laughs> you will never believe it. And Jordan going to change his number. I'm I bet, swear to God. I bet Jordan leaves basketball to play, ba- to play baseball. You won't believe I, I guarantee it. I guarantee you. But I bet you he comes back, and he's going <laughs> to suck ass in the Wizards. But anyway. I never thought I'd judge someone so much for saying they would kill a baby. <laughs> well, right. It, is real life. it was yeah. uncomfortable to watch really? that Deadpool You want to get rich? <laughs> like, do. That's like, what you do? But it's the thing. It's like the subject matter. And, and you have somebody like Spike Lee producing this who has is never shied away from these things. Yes. He'll never shy away from controversial subjects that need to be put in front of your face, mm-hmm. but also to use the lighthearted element because the trailer does go to them playing around in time, even though they can't save him yet from what we've seen. Yeah. I'm reminded of this a bit from Chris Rock, Haley, where he talks about how Superman never saves anybody in the black neighborhoods, <laughs> right? He talks about flying over, going, oh, I ain't going down there. And, like, this whole... So, to, to place a time travel film in mm. a situation that affects mm. uh, young black men, young black youths, uh, occasionally in this country, in certain cities, you... This is such an interesting approach. When you look at this, are, does I mean, Spike's, Spike's in his 60s and still, like, you know, producing these kinds of films or directing these kinds of films. How does it strike you when you look at something like this? Well, Spike has certainly not lost a snap. If, if no, there's that's anything that's that we saw at, at yeah, the yeah. Oscars, like that's yeah. a that's a man who's still got his attitude firmly in place <laughs> and knows exactly who he is, and, yeah. and we love him for that. He walked up, uh, and got on out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's done. Like <laughs> Green Book, see ya. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, right. uh, I get it, but. I, I'm excited by it. I really hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah. Netflix is so good at surprising you with these sort of reveals for the projects. You're like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it, the trailer looked so good, and you're right that the tone was not at all what I was expecting. It it actually somehow looks fun, which I, that's such a... Look at the photo behind us. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird thing to say, mm-hmm. and I, I'm so curious how they pull it off, and it the weirdest thing is that Twilight Zone just did this, kind of. Oh. They had an episode called Replay, which was directed by Jared McCurdy. Oh, let me make sure that's right. McMurray. Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Who, uh, <laughs> he directed The First Purge and Burning Sands, and he was a producer on Fruitvale Station. Oh. And, oh, so he's uh, well, used to go. all these deep ends, yes. right? So, yeah. Yeah, so he's got his, his hands in sort of that commentary often. And it was, to me, it was about a mother who whose son gets shot by a police officer and she has a a camcorder that allows her when she presses rewind to go back in time and sort of redo her loop and try to get it right Mm. and prevent her son's death. That episode was hit and miss for me. It didn't fully fulfill... Or it did fulfill its concept, but in a way that that seemed very on the nose and like, Mm. we know... Um, so I'm curious to see if they have come up with something a little more innovative to do with it. Not that that Twilight Zone isn't innovative, but mm-hmm. just that when they reach their ultimate conclusion in that episode, it feels like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I, I'm hoping that the end of this isn't what I'm predicting it is, is that they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Because it seems too obvious. Yeah. Well, I think if the ending is that there was a conspiracy they figured out that he had found out about something so his death isn't necessarily because of a social issue it's more deeper than that uh-huh. that there's something that that kid stumbled upon that she shouldn't have known Interesting. It, it's that, that way you, you address the issue as it's supposed to be addressed but you also don't inflame the theater in addressing I think there's a way to still get the point across without having to necessarily be as harsh of a cho- make it as harsh of a choice as it seems well, to be I think that's how do you marry this picture with an actual 
representation of the anger of a situation. Well, like that's this. what the trailer shows. Yeah, yeah, I want to tra- see how they what do the, it. That's what yeah. the trailer did. Yeah. Because you look at this and you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun-hearted kids film. Yeah. Like I said, when you see the first 30 seconds of the trailer, you see kids having fun. Right. Until it gets to that traumatic point. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's so much of how you, you can't coddle it. Yeah, it's a subject like yeah. I've always said. You can't coddle it. Mm-hmm. It has to. It just has to be told the way it is. Mm-hmm. And granted, there are going to be people like, oh, you're just trying to put this as a stance or just trying to make these people look bad. And it's yeah. not the case. It's just this is what's happening. So we're going to play a what if mm-hmm. with what actually happens in the world. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting that you say you don't want it to end the way you just said. And I think that actually might be a more powerful ending. Like the the reason the Twilight Zone ending doesn't work for me is because it feels really saccharine about uh-huh. a, a very not sweet issue yeah. uh, and I don't again with the tone we saw in this trailer I don't know how they resolve that but uh, I think a hard hitting ending might be more valuable and certainly feels more on brand for Spike Lee yeah. like Spike if you Lee. saw Black Klansman that ending was like devastating yeah Spike Lee ain't necessarily saccharine that's for damn sure let me yeah. tell you something even though people hated Chirac which I will always drop because oh, you can go watch that oh, in, on Amazon video which God. I am in <laughs> we're not in the plug section of the show oh yet. sorry that was wrong pl- I figured it was Spike Lee and it was me and the Spike Lee joint might as well go drop that check out Chirac, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the guy with the orange headband. But uh, yeah. it's like you said, it's so he doesn't shy away for the heaviness of certain issues. Mm-hmm. He's going to put it in your face, yep. and this is another issue that he's putting in your face. Which, by the way, we've had movies in the past year that have done this yeah. that we didn't talk about a lot. Monsters and Men, The Hate You Give. Sorry mm-hmm. to bother you. Sorry to bother you. That was these movies fantastic. put it right in your face. Yes, they do. And our culture is changing where we can start talking about these kinds of right. things. So yes. maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this has to have a more of a stronger point of view and a definite uh, 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 decision here at the end that's more that's not saccharine and is more to the point mm-hmm. and addresses the issue a little more firmly without losing the family angle or the connection. Because in real life, we always mix in pleasure with pain. That's life, yeah. like we saw in Inside Out even can't enjoy the joy if you don't have a little sadness. That's yes. how it works in life. Uh, let's move on to our next uh, uh, film here. The Detective Pikachu dropped a new trailer on everybody here on social media from Warner Brothers and Legendary Entertainment. Of course, Ryan Reynolds doing the voice here. Pikachu, this was an interesting trailer for a minute and 20 seconds or something like that. So much crying in this trailer <laughs> from me listening to What a Wonderful World. Of course, first time hearing it in a movie was Good Morning Vietnam and then seeing it used over and over again in other spots. But we have... Look, we have detected. Look, Pikachu is a nice. This, this is a nice face. This is what Cody could have gone with. This is what Cody could have Cody trying to mess beginning. us up from the beginning with some sadness here. <laughs> Haley, you see this trailer? Uh, this is this the way to? Yeah, there you go. Is this the way to promote? Pikachu and get people in the theaters because uh, I, I, when you catch Ryan Reynolds, you're thinking sarcasm and fun jokes. You're not thinking necessarily sad moments uh, as he has there when he says, "If your dad was here, he'd hug you till your bones cracked." Yeah, I think that it's a smart play that shows you maybe the emotional range of the film because we have mm. kind of the first couple of pieces of promo were were built more towards Ryan Reynolds' image yes. as the, the you know smart talker and funny guy. Mm. Uh, this was both, you know, a showcase for emotions and a showcase for Pokemon fans to be like, look at all these Pokies. Mm-hmm. We got so many. <laughs> I, I don't know any of them. Right. I, so that didn't do much for me personally, except like cute, 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 <laughs> yeah. would hug, would snuggle. Yes. Uh, so maybe that works anyway, even if you're not a Pokemon fan, because right. I'm really into cute, fluffy things. I think it was a good trailer. I mean, <laughs> like, I, I guess my gist here is like they're, they're getting through the, their not onslaught, they haven't had that many, but mm-hmm. through their release of multiple trailers, they're showing off a lot of different sides of the energy of this film. And this one shows off the heart. Yeah. And how cute everything is. Yeah. I was, first of all, I grew up playing Pokemon, then evolved to Digimon, which is better. But <laughs> when I saw the two Charmanders, then I saw the little Squirtle come out the thing, I was like, yeah, this is Squirtle. Then I saw Bulbasaur, and I saw all the Pokemon I remember as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I saw a Jigglypuff in the bar, and I was done. I was like, okay. And then you have the dial, you know, the little monologue with Ryan Reynolds talking to him. Mm-hmm. And just looking at how sad the animation and the realism of it looks, it's just like, okay, so I'm a grown man built like a fullback in an office full of adults about to start crying. Mm-hmm. Because it, it gets you. But that's the thing. That's me as a fan of it, having known what this is, knowing the IP from back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah. But like it did, it just grabbed you as a person who's not a fan of it. 
who's like, oh, this is cute. I'd cuddle these. Yeah, I mm-hmm. like animals. I like animals. You got me. And so now you got, they got you. And that's what they're supposed to do with this. Yeah. When you bring up Ryan Reynolds' sarcasm and humor, of course, everybody instantly goes to Deadpool. Right. We, we know what he's done in different movies. Multiple Harry, movies. Multiple yeah, movies. Play that but character. now you get to see a range of them. Think about this. Bradley Cooper playing Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We never thought we were going to get that type of range as Bradley Cooper's just voice. Especially from the a-hole from Wedding Crashers. Yeah, we didn't think that was possible. <laughs> we never thought that was possible. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I like this trailer. I enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting change for me. As, as with Haley, I'm not a Pokemon person or anything like that, but this kind of got my interest. I'm like, this is an interesting point of view to take, and I thought they were going to make a sarcastic joke at the end, and they didn't. They went all the way to the tears, all the way to the hugging, all the way to the uh, uh, end there with the kind of feeling of sadness and enjoying the world, even with the occasional moments of them shaking hands or whatever. Stop it! Stop it, Cody! Damn it! <laughs> 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 I'm not Cody. Cody's going to mess around and just leave it on the screen. And I don't want to get emotional. He's just going to leave it on the screen, I'm guaranteed. <laughs> you know, people saving their money for Endgame, I'm saving my tears for Endgame, so I don't want to waste uh, any this week. So, uh, anyway, all right, that's uh, coming out soon on May 10th, Detective Pikachu. So, that's just right around the corner, right before John Wick, which comes out on May 17th. So, so we got to watch cute animals and then the man who's all about avenging his dog getting murdered. Yeah. He, gotcha. he also likes furry things. Uh, all right, let's move on because he wants to protect that them. That sounds weirder than you Really, really 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 That's a whole nother Let's, John Wick. I see. That's John Wick. Let's just do yeah, John Wick. Let's do some end of show plugs here. Uh, tomorrow, another episode of Collider Live is out there for you to watch. A couple of two a two hour episode there. We got a special guest coming in. Uh, the Witching Hour. There's a new Witching Ooh. Hour, right, Haley? What happened there? Yes, sir. We are talking zombies this week. We're also we we did a little reacting to the new Child's Play trailer and the trailer for Ooh. the Boys series coming on Amazon. Which was gnarly. If you haven't watched it, you definitely mm-hmm. should. And then we, we dug into Black Summer. I almost said Black Mirror. Mm. Uh, Black Summer on Netflix, which is their new zombie series. And then we talked about like 10 essential zombie movies. Nice. I just found out at a friend's birthday party over the weekend that two of my friends are working on The Boys. One's a writer's oh, assistant sure. and one is did post-production for it. They just finished uh, shooting everything. So I'm looking forward because the trailer looks extremely excited. Fantastic. I have yet yeah. to see it and everybody was talking about it like, you've got to see the trailer. you got to see boys. the trailer. It's Free so, bananas. It so good. Okay, I'll watch it after this. There's also a new episode of Collider Sports Time. Jay and I were on with Josh McCuga talking about all the NBA playoffs and playoffs and little NFL talk that's over on the Collider Sports uh, YouTube and podcast feeds to go and listen to that honestly a blast of a show so when I tell you to watch it or listen to it <laughs> listen to me it's a fun time between the three of us giving each other crap but also having some interesting points of view on the sports stories mm-hmm. of the day it was it was fun. It, yep. Talking about the potentials for the NBA playoffs yep. and the NHL playoffs right. and the NFLPA CBA agreement. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Does voluntary really mean voluntary? Uh, also, uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, 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 review of the uh, season two and the season finale dropped there on the TV talk feed. And there's a ga- the Game of Thrones recap. Me and Dennis saying and Ashley Victoria Robinson and that lady right there, Haley Fouch. Oh, hey. We broke down last night's episode, trying not to cry through a certain. Uh, nighting and uh, if you haven't seen it try not to cry through a certain nighting and everything else that happened in that show people going to die and then tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow night or tomorrow uh, uh, stay tuned for another new episode of Movie Talk Perry will be back to host that one 4pm PSD alright what do you what do you what, guys think you're going to cry more over Endgame or next week's Battle of Winterfell both both uh, Battle of Winterfell me too I feel like I'm going to cry about that one yeah I think I, I would c- we knew that characters would die in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Battle of Winterfell is like, anybody can go yeah. and you don't know. And I'm just like... I'm so nervous. I'm not ready <laughs> to see You're going to be really Tyrion. emotional on camera. I'm not ready to see Tyrion get stabbed <laughs> no, in the face. <laughs> Alright, here uh, okay, here we go. Uh, this is from Satyendra and Banerjee. I hope I said this right. As, at S-N-D-O-N-L-B asks, what current SNL cast member would you like to see make a big splash on the silver screen? Bill Hader really killing it with Barry mm-hmm. on his own. It's a fantastic series. But, you know, we've seen Kristen Wiig in the theater with uh, possibly with Cheetah. We see uh, uh, Kate McKinnon doing more and more work there. Who is on there now that you'd like to see transfer over 
uh, my homeboy that I started stand up with, oh. Chris Red. He, everybody knew him from the Lonely Island, from a uh, pop star, Never oh, Stop yeah, Stopping. Right. And I think that was just a jumping point. And I feel like he's prone to make a big wave. The way he's been killing sketches and things they've been doing on SNL, anything they do big and prominent, he's featured it in some way. So I figured, like, yeah, Chris is best set for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm watching his career, from, like I said, from us doing stand-up together, him doing improv, yeah. and now him being a part of the SNL cast, that's always going to be my choice. All right. What about you, Haley? I mean, Kate McKinnon's a superstar. Like, she can do whatever she wants at this point. I'm shocked she's still on SNL. She probably (laughs) just really loves it. Uh, So looking past her, because she's so obviously amazing, I am all aboard the 80 Bryant train right now. Oh, yeah, with uh, the show on Hulu. uh, Shrill. Shrill, right? Fantastic, very touching show. Mm -hmm. She's lovely in it, and she showed the sort of emotional range that you want to see from comedians Mm -hmm. making that leap into their own leading project. And I'd I'd love to see her take on more and more and more movies, just give her everything. I think she's so wonderful. It's so incredible, the 80s story, because when she first started out, she was really featured, blah, blah, blah. And then there were a couple seasons when she really receded to the background, and you weren't sure if she was going to be one of those that just kind of drops off and goes into it. And then she's really come on over the last few years. And look at that. That series that she got is pretty incredible. I like Kyle Mooney. Yeah. I don't know how Kyle's going to find his way to the silver screen, but I wish he would. Kyle's an incredibly intelligent and funny comedian. When I see his stuff, like that whole Leslie Jones thing is brilliant mm-hmm. on so many yeah. levels. But to see all the other stuff he does, I'm just like excited to see what could be in this guy's future because he's incredible. Like, I love intelligent comedy that finds its way on SNL. It's rare. But when it does find its voice on SNL, I'm always a fan of it. Let's move on to the next question. This is from Sebastian 70707. Uh, interesting, from Sebastian Fila. If Thor dies in Avengers Endgame, is there a chance that Valkyrie mm-hmm. takes the mantle of Thor um, a la what happened in the comics where we had a female Thor? Is this a possibility? Given the fact they don't want to use Natalie Portman ever again for Jane Foster, yeah. it's absolutely a possibility. <laughs> it is absolute because that's in the comics she becomes Thor. Yes. Yeah. So who is that, who's the second best guest? Tessa Thompson. Yep. She's amazing. To see her wield that big ass axe mm. would be phenomenal. You know, granted she'll probably get a th- uh, sword or whatnot. Stormborn, yeah, yeah. Get, but to get Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker I would Stormbreaker. love to see that. Yeah. So yes, give it to Valkyrie. Okay. What do you say? There? I love it. I, yeah. I Tessa Thompson. I will. Pretty much follow wherever. I think she's phenomenal. One of our best movie stars. She should be on the top of every casting list. I love her. I stand her. I'm in. I I don't know if that's the direction they're gonna take it, but like mm-hmm. Captain Marvel just hit a billion, so why not lean into the female superheroes uh, yeah. like the comics did? I. I don't know if I think Thor is going to die just mm-hmm. because he's on such a roll right now. Right. But eventually when that does come to pass, yes, give everything to Tessa. I, I would be interesting because, like, it could be a way to kind of build a new storyline for Thor mm-hmm. of him dying then somehow coming back. Do Are him and Loki in some kind of spirit realm where they have <laughs> to find their way back because they both were killed by Thanos? That could be a possibility. In the meantime, Valkyrie's handling business for Thor out in the uh, actual world and see where that could go. Or have Thor ascend to the role of All-Father. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Have that's him ascend to the role of All-Father yeah. because now Odin's dead. There needs to be a new All-Father. No, that's a good point. So uh-huh. ha- then you can have him ascend to that, then just literally hand Stormbreaker off mm. to Valkyrie because that's the only way she'll be able to carry it. Yeah. You know, he has to give it to her. Okay. I also, you know, I think most of us are hoping that Taika will come back for a Ragnarok yes. 2 scenario. Yes. And, you know, Tessa has already shown that she's great with his comedy and his type of filmmaking. So it'd be a dream world if that <laughs> happened. <laughs> All right. One last one. I know we got to run. I, I like to push the limits here. At Nick <laughs> underscore Lightner 13. Hey, Collider, do you have any movies you love that you feel are a little too weird to recommend to some friends? I feel that Ooh. with Suspiria of two, from 2018. Yeah, buddy. I threw that in on purpose. Films are too weird. Uh, Mm. Anything from Terrence Malick, I absolutely love. (laughs) And everybody hates recently. All his stream of consciousness filmmaking is so damn weird. Night of Cups, I could have, they could have started that movie all over again. I would have sat with it and watched the whole thing. I don't know what it is about his stream of consciousness filmmaking that I love, but I love it because I'm constantly trying to catch stuff and what he's trying to mean. I like what I'm trying to, it's like I'm chasing the dragon. I'm trying to chase your theme or your meaning all through the movie and I can't quite catch it. So I love that about, and I own all his stuff. I own all of it. So 
So I'm a nutbag in that way. Those are weird films. I think that most of my favorite films are too weird to recommend. Mm. Like, I always think about my family and like what I I I, I like to think that I give good recommendations because <laughs> before algorithms took over, right. I was a good person who watched everything to be like, Haley, what would I like? And I get a good read on people's yeah. tastes. But there are some movies that like no matter your taste, I won't feel comfortable going like go watch High Life. Mm. Like that's that's the weird one from this year. That is a weird freaking movie. Yeah. I can't swear on here, but there's something called a box, like an F-word box. Okay, okay, uh, okay. So that gives you a little hint of where mm-hmm. that's at. Climax from this year, the, ah. the dance horror movie, so good. With but Sophia also, Batella, and you guys mm-hmm. interviewed her to talk about her. Yes, Witching and area. she was lovely. So yeah. I, I mean, most of my favorite movies are, are super weird, and I couldn't <laughs> be like, Mom, go check out High Life. You're going to love the box. <laughs> Wait, it has to be from this year? No. no, no. Okay, because y'all going to be like, what? So there's a movie. You can't choose Shir- Sh- Chirac either. I'm, look, <laughs> go see Chirac. It's on Amazon. Oh my no, my, fa- my movie to try to recommend people just to be able to say it and see their faces is called Frankenhooker. Nah. Oh, God. <laughs> I remember Frankenhooker. To recommend people to watch Frankenhooker yeah. is so hilarious because then they'll watch it and be like, what did you just have me watch? Right. And I'm like, it's so dumb. And it's just weird <laughs> that it's, I can't help but watch that. I, when I first got introduced to it, I was not supposed to be watching that movie, clearly. <laughs> and now anytime I see it comes on Cinemax and Showtime late night, I'm like, I have to watch Frankenhooker. Yes, to all yeah. the viewers, watch Frankenhooker. <laughs> and I'm going to say the name again, Frankenhooker. <laughs> it is a real movie. That or Repossessed with Linda Blair and Leslie Nielsen. All right, we got to go. <laughs> I'll throw in Reanimator. Everyone should see Reanimator. That's a damn good movie. That is good. Talking Heads in a Pan. Come on, please. Yes, perfect. Barbara Crampton for life. That's right, Jeffrey Combs. All right, uh, thanks everybody for watching this episode of Movie Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to us. I uh, want to thank Jay Washington for stopping by. Thank you so much. Love you, brother. We can you can find him at Mr. Jay Washington. Love Haley. Uh, thanks much. Love to Haley Fouch for stopping oh, by. Thank you for having me. And always a good banter. I can't wait to have her back on Mailbag so we can yeah. duke it out some more. Uh, always good. You can follow me at the Roca says as well. Thanks, everybody. Share this on your social media. Subscribe for more movie talk episodes like this. Oh, make me cry, Cody! And uh, so shout out wrong. to Cody for trying to tear us to pieces the entire episode by making us cry. Alright, we'll see you tomorrow with a brand new episode of Collider Movie Talk. Take care. Have a great Monday night. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Today's specials, new Chase Freedom Flex with 3% on dining, including takeout. Now every meal comes with a side of cash back. Learn more at chasefreedom.com. Cards are issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change.